Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are John Christian, Troy Sandlin, Catherine Lindquist, and then we're also joined by our special guest, Justin Hamblin from the Crit Academy. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. Doing good. Good. Blessed, man. Blessed. Awesome. Uh, we're in for a fun episode today. We've already kind of got warmed up with uh, some good chats about uh, podcast recordings and and uh, Kickstarters and all sorts of goodness, and uh, we're ready to roll. Uh, so let's see. Our podcasts always start the same way. We take a little bit of time here uh, to go over some news articles and kind of get the lay of the land for what's happened this week, uh, bring some things to the table. Then we'll dive in with Justin about his new Kickstarter, and maybe he'll tell us a bit, a bit about his podcast. And then we've got a little topic lined up. So we've got a full plate uh, on the agenda today. Um, but let's go ahead and dive into our dessert round, those little nuggets that we found all throughout the week uh, that we think are awesome. Uh, let's see, I've got one, two, three, four, five uh, points to bring up today. And looking through, let's start with John. John, you got a Roll20 uh, report to chat yeah, about. I did. Yeah, so um, there's an, a quarterly industry report that Roll20 puts out on the regular. And so Q2 is is behind us. It's, it's in the rear, the rear view. And so what we're seeing now is the the effects of COVID, the post effects of COVID, and how it's uh, it's impacted um, the numbers of players that are playing and what they're playing. Right. So right. Uh, the links will be out there in the show notes. But it's consistently we're seeing five e trailblazing. It's it's still at fifty three percent of. Um, the campaigns are, are in five E with 57 to 58% of them being uh player base is, uh, is five E right behind though, the, those though, the one that doesn't surprise me is Pathfinder seeing Pathfinder out there is that's not surprising. One, the one that was, yeah. I wouldn't say it's shocking, but it's actually, it's cool to see it there is call of Cthulhu Yeah, is it's uh, is it's in the number two slot. Really, really cool to see that there at uh, 8.5% effectively. Um, That's- it's uh, it's, it's an interesting read for, for me. I'm not, I'm kind of like, it's been thrust upon me to be as proficient with roll 20 as possible. And uh, so I, I try to stay up on, on uh, what's going on. On, on the back end and the front end. So it's really interesting to see the numbers, right? People are still playing third editions. People are still playing Pathfinder. There's there are actually 25% as many people playing second edition Pathfinder as there are uh, first edition Pathfinder. So it's just interesting to see that kind of stuff. And again, this is all on Roll20 only. So it's not a, a comprehensive reflection of what's going on across the industry. But yeah. I think that between at least the four of us, Catherine, Zach, Troy, and I, with us playing, it's probably pretty safe to say that in in our circles, roll twenty is kind of the is the king mm-hmm. uh, of uh, king of the mountain. Whenever it comes to what we're playing out of, we've yep. got some friends of ours that are playing at Fantasy Grounds and a couple of others, Discord only, Google Hangouts, all that good stuff. But this is yeah, a really so fascinating I, report, yeah. actually. Um, Call of Cthulhu is probably so high because Chaosium has done so well with uh, during the uh, pandemic. Uh, mm. releasing a whole bunch of free content, especially on Roll20, yeah. and yep. and really pushing the digital 
their digital products out there to as many people as possible. Because um, I can't imagine, other than the character sheet being pretty sweet um, on Roll20, um, I can't imagine that you need a virtual tabletop for much in that game system. So, um, at least not in the games that I've played. Uh, so that's of interest, and I kind of think that's why you see the World of Darkness stuff, which is at 1% currently so low, is because there's just not a need for, for that virtual space when it's, by and large, exclusively theater of the mind. But it's a really interesting graph, nonetheless. So, very Yeah, cool. it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's some of the bigger... The biggest growing games uh, in the market right now, like Cyberpunk Red, Tormenta, City of Mist, some of these I hadn't even heard of before until I actually read the report and went and looked through them. When you're talking about the your, your comparison, your when your comparison is against you know 55% of the market share for Roll Twenty is as Dungeons and Dragons. There's a pretty it's a pretty it's it's easy to be in that that one little sliver of the pie. And, and grow exponentially. But I mean, it's good to see them out there, though. It's good to see that oh, the, yeah. the, the platform is being used for something other than 5e, that people have, they're finding a space with it. So uh, yeah. I'm, I, would be, I would love to see, honestly, as much as I, I play and run out of five, uh, 5e out of Roll20, I would love to see the experience that other people have uh, with their settings and with their engines and how they accommodate. If it's all custom, if there's enough of a footprint out there for... Uh, for like kind of Zach to your point, if there's enough stuff that's out there that they can kind of bolt onto, they don't have to customize and start from scratch. Um, I think that's that's something I'd like to see. It's going to be more anecdotal. I think you're not going to see it in, in a Q2 report or Q3 report from Roll20, but uh, I'd love to see so hear some stories out there from any of the folks that that uh, that are running things like you know Kids on Bikes, um, Tales from the Loop, uh, Delta Green. I know the Legend of the Five Rings is starting to see an uh, an uptick in play i'd like to see how those things are are playing out yeah very cool i mean i'm going to just devour all these graphs and charts because they've got a lot of interesting stuff tucked into here yeah very cool fascinated by so yeah i'm a numbers nerd so this is uh this this scratched my itch yep yep i'm gonna have to close this window or i'm gonna be distracted this whole episode (laughs) we got better things to to talk about tonight uh okay cool well hey let's bring justin into the conversation here justin you've got uh a little project that it's not yours but something that you uh are super in love with yes um anybody that uh, i I run the 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 dungeons and dragons podcast crit academy and anybody that's ever listened to our show knows that i have a a love for the stormlight archives and most of brandon sanderson's books well Somehow, in the last few months, I missed the Call to Adventure, the Stormlight Archives book uh, game that came out. It's officially licensed, so mm-hmm. I have been geeking out all day and sad that I haven't been able to sit down, <laughs> rip this thing apart, and go through it inch by inch. But um, basically, this board game allows you to um, build a, an epic story based around your character that takes place in, you know, Brendan Sanderson's Cosmere, specifically the, the planet of Roshar. And it, the whole focus is your character's, um, you build your character's legacy as you play the game. And what I find most intriguing about this is you could then take that and use it as a backstory in any of the RPGs that fit the fantasy setting. Um, and that's what's got me most excited. You're literally playing out your character's backstory which is something that, at least in my experience, doesn't happen very often. Mostly it's me writing a few paragraphs of, you know, whatever I think happened um, and then going from it. But utilizing this Call to Adventure, which it has other brands um, because Call to Adventure is like the the name of the, like, 
game, the game itself, but it gets rebranded depending on the settings that they use. And, um, I was just totally blown away. The art's beautiful and I cannot wait to, to really just tear into this and build my own, you know, night radiant backstory for my Eldritch Knight or something in my 5e game, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, it looks really nice. interesting. I am not familiar with the Stormlight Archives. I, I, I've gotten the rundown a little bit from, uh, from you and John beforehand, but it, it sounds really cool and the art's amazing. Um, I see. So this is a released product, like you said, uh, by Brotherwise Games, and I think I saw that it's on Amazon and several places. So it should be pretty easy to get if you're uh, if anyone out there is interested. So yeah, it's, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm in the same boat as Justin right now. Well, actually, even more so. Right, 15 minutes ago is whenever I found out about it. So <laughs> scroll, scroll, like all right, my part of the podcast is done. Hang on a second. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Read, 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 read. Right, <laughs> trying to trying to to uh, rapidly catch up as as quickly as I can. Anyway, this is good stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm I'm excited. And I've mentioned before the show started that the art is absolutely beautiful, and it captures some very legendary moments in the series. And if you've read the books, you can see that without it saying anything else, which yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Well, let's roll right on. Um, I'm going to talk about a company that I, I'm in love with. Um, they're a hard company for us to promote when their Kickstarters go live because they typically do very short run Kickstarters. That doesn't really work with our podcast recording setup. Uh, but Limitless Adventures is, is a great company and they make really fun products. Um, we met them at a con a while back, and I've picked up several of their products at this point. Um, they always have Kickstarters, it seems like. They do several a year. Um, the Kickstarter that they have going on right now that has a few days left is called Limitless Woodland Encounters. Um, it will probably be over by the time this... It will be over by the time this podcast drops. Um, so I'm going to send you instead to their website, LimitlessAdventures.com. And if I was going to tell you what book to pick up of theirs, um, which you should be picking up their stuff, it would be uh, start with Limitless Monsters. Uh, Limitless Monsters is a paperback uh, monster manual supplement. Um, it's got like a hundred, yeah, a hundred uh, 5e monsters. And what I like about it, um, why I think this book is great, is they aren't trying to reinvent the wheel. Um with all of their creatures sometimes you get a monster manual and and we're about ready to talk with justin so he may <laughs> have a different opinion on all this but sometimes you get a monster manual and every creature in it is a creature that you have never heard of and um you have no frame of reference for it um what i like about uh what limitless monsters does is it's really variants on things that you've almost certainly heard of so as an example here um, there's an adult blue Draco Lich in the monster manual and in Limitless Monsters, there's an adult red Draco Lich. Um, there are different types of hags, different types of trolls, different types of wyverns, different types of zombies, basically those things that you're probably injecting in your game already. There's just some variant options for them. Um, so I like that about it because it's some, it's a book that I'll use with regularity as I'm trying to, uh, Use monsters that everybody's familiar with, but shake things up. Um, the other thing that I like about this book is that each monster comes with treasure or loot that you would get off of it if you defeat it, which is great. Um, 
as a dungeon master, that makes makes my life a little bit easier. And then last but not least, um, each monster has a lore uh, skill challenge associated with it. So if you want to know more about this creature, it has the appropriate skill check required, and it gives different DCs for different levels of information that you might get. Um, cool. I uh, I really I really like this. On our show, we always do monster variants every week because mm. I like to have a variety of kobolds or yeah. hags or whatever. So this really fits really nicely. What I'm seeing here is something that I've been doing for my patrons, where I give the the lore checks to re- uh, reveal information, weaknesses, strengths yep. Yep. on them. So to see that in some other product is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I were, if memory serves, didn't they have something like that in 4e? Yes, where that was something that was in the, uh, built into the monster manual. I've, I'm actually, I feel like that was something that I wish that they'd that they'd passed forward in five e. You know, yeah. it's like what is what? What do you get with a DC 10, 15, 20, etc.? Of like, how much does your character know, and how much do you have to essentially hold hold in uh, in retention uh, to keep from meta being meta about it? Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. So the last thing that this uh, that this book contains, which which I also really dig is they have something that they're calling further adventure. And basically at the end of every monster's stat block, they have uh, adventure hooks and story prompts to inject this monster into your campaign. So if you're kind of approaching it from the other direction where you're saying, oh, this sounds like a cool monster. How do I put it in my game or how do I build an encounter around it? Or how do I get my players to engage with it? There's two or three or four little one sentence lines to get you started on connecting this monster to your players. So nice. um, sold. I like that. I'm buying one right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's my job. See, uh, Zach, Zach, uh, that's, that's his superpower. He, he costs mm-hmm. people money. Yep. <laughs> it's not a very oh, well loved superpower, but um, my wife has that power too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, my guess is she probably just buys it herself. Zach has the ability yes. to, to make, make you spend the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's it's like, good though. I mean, this is some good stuff. Yeah. And I would recommend if you like their stuff, give them a follow on social media. Um, and they have, uh, and also the um, the owners of the company are really nice people. Um, Andy Hand is one of them, and um, I uh, I've kind of leaned on him a bit in his knowledge of the industry, and he's always been a great person to talk to. Uh, and he's become a good friend of ours. So um, 100%, it's a it's a great thing. And and definitely, if if you haven't check out uh, all their other stuff because they've got all sorts of like adventures and um, little adventure hooks. And oh gosh, I'm botching it, but they got a ton of different products out there. Yeah, um, look, some good looking freebies here too. It looks like <gasps> yeah. Oh man, They're, my Uh-oh. dice are already trembling because I love skill challenges. Oh, and yeah. I see a book here for skill challenges. So, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Uh, we've got two nice. more here. I want to cover Troy. Uh, you beat me to this one. As soon as you, as soon as you put it down, I'm like, ah, ah, we need to talk about this. So, uh, so give us a run. All right. Uh, this is not uh, actual uh, gaming related. It is, it is gaming adjacent, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it kind of follows what uh, John was talking about earlier about the Roll20 thing. And uh, 
one of the games that's having a nice spike on Roll20, and that's Call of Cthulhu. And that's the new HBO series Lovecraft Country, which mm. debuted last night. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Oh, I got to check it out. Awesome. Yes, I loved it. It was fantastic. Um, a nice slow build. Um, uh, no spoilers. I'm not going to give any spoilers away. It was just really, really cool. Um, it's set right after World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, I think what I love the most about this, is, you know, in the current political climate with what's going on in our nation and in the world right now, um, it's really cool because if, if people don't know, and I'm not sure how you couldn't know if you're listening to this podcast, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was a raging racist. Mm-hmm. And this takes his works and those of, of his compatriots that helped form the, the, the Lovecraftian uh, mythos and stuff and uh, takes it, takes the art away from from that by uh, making the, the heroes of this show uh, 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 a black veteran from World War One, his uncle and a good friend. And the interesting thing about this is it it makes them the heroes, which to me is awesome because that's kind of a slap in the face from where this stuff came from. But it also, with no holds barred, shows what it was like to be a a black person in America at that time. Really interesting. So it's, it can be hard to watch at times. (laughs) Yeah, it can be hard to watch at times. Uh, But the story... It, it puts you on edge because it, it's it is the classic. Hey, I haven't seen so and so for a while. Well, maybe we should go look for him. Yeah, where they where they get lost at? Oh, I've never heard of this place before. Let's go check it out. And now all kinds of weird shit happens. So <laughs> you know, it's it, but it's it's so well done. Like I said, it's, it's a slow boil. Um, the payoff at the end is worth it. And then you get to see, you know, in the, the previews for the next few episodes where it's just like, oh, why can't this be on Netflix so I can have it all right now? <laughs> but uh, yes, um, if you are a fan of, of Lovecraft, Cthulian horror, uh, definitely, definitely check this out. It will help inspire uh, your gaming, I am sure. I love it. Interesting. <sighs> You're going to cost me money now, Troy. For yeah. once, the role is reversed. <laughs> Finally. my watch list. There you go. (laughs) All right. Last little bit of news here. Um, Wanted to give a shout out to uh, our own project uh, that should be rolling out at the end of the month. Um, Captain Child's Guide to Rare Dragons drops on August 31st on Kickstarter. Um, We're really proud of it. It's our uh, smallest project to date, but it's got a lot of love poured in, and it's a really weird... um, uh, ten dragons written by eight different people, um, each dragon having their own unique stat block, uh, motivations, history, lair, horde, minions, all the works. Um, each dragon has uh, new art by Daniel DeNova that we love. Um, and uh, Catherine and I were talking about this because she got to work with me on it. And she said, uh, I didn't realize that this was going to be supposed to be all weird dragons like i didn't know that that was a writing requirement i'm like it wasn't but <laughs> what we got from the writers is just weird thing after weird thing 
and um, I love each and every one of them, and I'm really excited to get this in the hands of folks. Um, it's going to be I'm five excited. bucks. When uh, it uh, launches, let me know, and I'll make sure to help give that a signal boost. Heck yeah, man. Um, awesome. That's what we're all here Thanks. for. Uh, the Kickstarter community is a great one, and um, I I think uh, everybody that, especially the folks that, that do little 5e Kickstarters and things tied to that, um, uh, it's just a great community to be a part of, and I, I love I love the support. So. Yeah, I'm I'm sad that it took me so long to become part of it. There's so many things that I want to support now. Yeah, oh, man, like... jeez, <laughs> welcome to the club. Yes, I don't have the money for all this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's it's why research. I don't get on most of the time. That's what you okay. gotta say. Life finds just a way. Research. Yeah. Life finds a way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Captain Hartchild's Guide to Rare Dragons. We're gonna we're gonna um, have a lot of fun with this one. Um, and I will note that it will drop um, very shortly after the Kickstarter ends. It's all already written for the most part, just being cleaned up. It's all almost laid out. Um, so it's really just a matter of putting the final pieces together and we'll get this out to you. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we learned some lessons with, with earlier ones and not to say that it worked for everybody, but we learned that for us, uh, uh, getting it written ahead of time and getting most of the work done because you get exhausted. We'll talk about this in a second, I'm sure. But, but, uh, Kickstarters are exhausting to run and be a part of, um, (laughs) And uh, so we just, we like getting the work done ahead of time. But anyhow, uh, so that's that. Now, Justin, thank you so much for being patient um, as we worked through that news section. Um, but now we get to talk about your bit of news. Um, thank you so much for being a part of uh, our episode today. We were really excited when you agreed to come on and, and talk to us about all your stuff. Um, so why don't you spend the next few minutes and introduce yourself, introduce your project, introduce your uh your brand, and uh, then we'll go from there. Sure. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, this is really exciting. I uh, always enjoy talking to uh, fellow uh, nerds, so <laughs> it's always fun. One hundred percent. So, for those uh, who are lis- listening and hearing my voice for the first time, I am Justin Hanlon. I am the host of the Crit Academy podcast, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast uh, designed to provide guidance and inspiration to both players and DMs. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week, we at seven we go live at seven p.m. Eastern, and we have an ep- beginning segment, our Let's Talk About blank, blank segment, which is similar to your news, where we talk about either some questions somebody asked or some hot new take. Uh, we have revolving uh, main topics that are DMs Guild related. Now it's going to be start Kickstarter related because I'm falling <laughs> in love with all that stuff. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but any, any topic that uh, really tickles our dice and that we think will provide some sort of value to any uh, players uh, or gms out there like uh last this sunday we just covered the 22 uh pixar's 22 rules for storytelling which we thought was a really great topic and we had a lot of fun with that um so the big thing though that everyone just absolutely loves it's everyone's favorite at least that's what all the emails say is our honor tips and tricks segment where every week we bring a, a monster variant a character concept a dm tip a player tip a magic item and an encounter idea uh that people can bring with them on to their table really? um and we always have a lot of fun 
Um, you mentioned the monster uh, variants from Limitless Adventure earlier, and that's why I was excited because I'm very much on board with that. Yeah. Um, and I think most of that's because I'm a very much a la- lazy GM. So, <laughs> okay, I, I want it to be the CR. Here's a monster that has this CR, but I want it to be a goblin. Here's the traits of a goblin. Poof, there I go. I got a big fat goblin. <laughs> that's much stronger than they expect, you know? Yes. Um, so uh, that's the whole premise of our show. We're uh, closing in uh, to episode 200 soon. So we're really excited for awesome. that. Um but the break- coolest thing is all the interviews we get to do. We get to interview some of the, the most popular content creators um, in the, the, the DM, uh, DMs Guild and on Drive-Thru RPG and on podcasts and all that stuff. And we do a lot of fun with that. It was only uh, a matter of time before it ultimately led to us creating our own content. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen any of Jeff Stevens stuff at all, yep. um, but he's been a longtime popular DMs Guild content creator. And I remember the first time he came on the show and he's just like, I was like, man, how did you get into this? He's like, well, I stumbled across the site and I bought something and I realized I could write at least this good. So I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, um, and so that kind of started, well, I wonder, wonder if we could do it. And so we, we've been on this um, train for a couple of years now, uh, and we've released uh, at least, I think, like 13 products so far, and many of which are bestsellers. And we are become really close friends with people like uh, Loresmith. I don't know if you've know, I've seen any of his content, Remarkable Shops, or uh, Claws of Madness at all. Um, but he, he, you know, I talked to him regularly and he reached out. He's like, Hey, Justin, I think, you know, you should take the next step. You know, DMs guilds treated you good. I think you could put together something really nice and take that next step. So, um, it led us to deciding, okay, well, if we're going to do something, what should we do? Should we play it safe and go with something people know, or take a bit of risk like we did with some of our other products that did really, really well. Um, so we did some research and we decided, well, if there was one thing that we could change about some of the content that already exists, what would it be? And the big thing we noticed in monster manuals, the lacking, uh, what lacked in monster manuals was with the exception of a few key en- uh, monsters, there's hardly no um, motivations, no story to them that really makes them in- <laughs> memorable, which is where the, the, the term for our memo of monsters Kickstarter comes. Um, and so we decided, well, what could we do? We, we could make a monster manual that's got, you know, 200 new monsters, but if everyone's just going to forget them, what's the point? Um, so we, we decided, okay, well, what does it need? What needs to be in a, um, what makes a monster memorable? Is it the way the DM role plays it? Is the, it the story that's tied to it? Is the, the features that they have? Is it their flaws, their, their motivations, you know? So we basically made a big brainstorm, tossed it all together and started throwing away stuff we didn't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we ended up with this collection of um, like a template of what we wanted for our memorable monsters. And that's kind of where it, it jumped off from. And, we started writing some samples and we've like, this is a good idea. I really like this. The players gave us great feedback. They love the monsters, the stories. So we're like, all right, let's put some stuff together, get some samples together and see if anybody else likes this. And the Kickstarter was born. Um, and I say that now so easy, but holy crap, has it been a lot of work? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Really um, fascinating. Uh, 
to hear you talk about how this project came to be. And I'm having flashbacks um, to our first product uh, on Kickstarter, which is called Oceanic Depths, which we talked about here on the podcast before. Um, but uh, Oceanic Depths was also largely inspired by that same mindset and largely inspired by the work of Jeff Stevens. So I'm like, man, this is so cool. Um, it, it's a shame you can't see it, but I'm wearing one of his shirts right now. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's uh, uh, first and foremost, Jeff is a really nice guy. I've uh, been fortunate to work with him on a project. And um, and then also he just he does a good job with coming up with ideas and, and what mm-hmm. people what's useful for people. Um, and uh, I don't own all of his product, but everything that I own, I really like. Um, it'd be hard to own all of his products at this point, I think. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, but, but no, man, he, it's really cool. And I just looking at, you've got some samples of, uh, your monsters up on your Kickstarter and looking through it. I feel Jeff's, uh, tendrils. Yes. Woven throughout it. And, um, uh, that makes me happy. So yes, cool. he, uh, <laughs> He, uh, he was a great inspiration. Um, I'm a huge fan of his, uh, villains and layers. Yep. Um, and so when I reached out cause I wanted to do this, I said, like, Hey, I really like this template. I like these ideas. Um, I would like, you know, permission to, to expand upon it and, and make it my own. And it really was, um, he, he provided a lot of great feedback and gave me a lot of um, guidance on, on some of the ways that I could, you know, make this, you know, our, make this our own and make it better, make it good. Because I think he's on, like, Villains and Layers 3 or 4 or something now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, if you head on over to, uh, not excuse the plug, CritAcademy.com slash Jeff Stevens, you can actually get Villains and Layers 3 and Encounters on the Savage Seas free. Um, so what? if you're... If you're curious about picking up some of his content, you can get that stuff there uh, free of uh, free of charge. Um, nice. You're welcome, Jeff. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, everybody should do that. That is like let's not gloss over it. Um, you know, a lot of folks advertise free stuff, but but if it's Jeff stuff and it's free, you just need to go do it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so. Did you guys have any questions specifically about the memorable monsters? Because I can get into some detail about what makes them memorable and some of the things we did differently that we really like. So I'll, I'll dive in here if nobody uh, it, well, gives the others some time. Um, so looking over your campaign and, and seeing the samples that you give here, is uh, is this a book that... You largely takes creatures from the monster manual. Like I see that um, um, Tannis is a goblin, um, and Zindar is the other uh, creature listed on here. Is uh, uh, at its base humanoid. Um, mm-hmm. Are you are you taking creatures and things that people are familiar with, and then just kind of putting your own spin on them, or or what could we expect out of the creatures in this? You book? can expect a mix. Um, we decided on a balance of creatures that are representative of things people would recognize which is one of the reasons why we thought tanis was a good one for the promo because everyone knows a goblin but nobody knows a goblin that's gonna outsmart them that's gonna bribe them that's going to do whatever he can to get his you know save it you know get his get his uh 
collect his own goodies, so to speak, and have his own personality. Because in most cases, goblins are what? They're cannon fodder. Right. Um, in this yep. case, they're not going to expect him to poof, disappear into a dimension door to get away or try to <laughs> throw a coin purse at them to distract them long enough with a bribe to go away. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so we definitely took some of the, the core ideas and the core monster types, but that's probably only about, I would say, 30%. The rest of them are is pretty unique monsters, stuff you haven't seen before but not so far out of the realm that it isn't plausible, like different varieties of demons or devils, for example. Um, so Nice. Do you have a um, certain, I don't know, type or, uh, I don't know if genre would be the right word, um, that you focused on um, for this particular one? Or is it just, like, all over the map? Um, I would love to tell you that there's a great theme between all the monsters, but there's not. One thing that we decided we wanted is we wanted to give the writers, uh, all the writers, freedoms to uh, go whatever direction they wanted as long as it fit in the setting. Mm. Because if they're all thematic, then you're going to – they're all going to be memorable for the theme and not for their own personalities and their own ideas. That was something that we had discussed at length about whether the whether to do – okay, well, let's do a memorable Monsters of the Underdark, for instance, or or not the Underdark. That's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not OGL, but uh, something along those lines. <laughs> um, so – we decided that we we chose to go a different route, which means there's a variety of interesting, memorable uh, NPCs and you know ways to use them in any sort of um, uh, setting. So it could be a forest setting, it could be an urban setting, you know, the mountainous. You know, there's going to be monsters for each of those. Um, I, for example, one of the monsters that we've already written is an Amazon who uh, got basically jumped by her sisters and kicked off because they hated that she was weak, but she was much smarter than all of them. So they basically kicked her off a flying <laughs> island. Um, and so the part of her whole story is her trying to get back to her island. And so they can, she can run and become a quest giver for the, the PCs. Hey, I'm trying to get here. I'm seeking an item, a magic item, a flying mount, something to help me get there. Can you help me get there? And that's just one way we, we give the, uh, the DM a way to utilize that monster. So not every monster needs to be a villain or something to be killed. Now, mm-hmm. They easily like can that. be that way, but <laughs> once again, it came back to, well, what makes an NPC, a monster memorable? Is it the battle? On some cases, yeah. You know, somebody's going to remember an epic battle, but you're more likely to remember how you stumbled across this, you know, little goblin guy who took so much interest in your character's weapon that he offered, offered you a small fortune for it, and you refused to give it up because your character has some personal tie to the 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 day that he bathed the blade in the blood of the dra- red dragon so it became a, a a flame tongue that's too cool to pass up but at what point is the player willing to give it up mm-hmm. to me that makes <laughs> a memorable npc but then finding out that he just turned around and sold it to somebody else for more might lead the players into you know chasing him down for some other reasons um, nice nice so we wanted that was really the biggest focus is what are other ways and examples that these can be utilized. That's not just stab and, you know, kill. 
Well, so let me ask you this. So it, it was it. Did you take more of an NPC approach to the monsters, or did you? Like, is that the 30%? 30% of the ones that you already know, that's more of an NPC. That's how we fleshed those out to make them more interesting and make them more uh, approachable. Or did you kind of do like the like the monster manual approach where it's like, here's their lore, here's where they came from, here are the things they can do? No, it's more of an NPC approach as if each monster is a, per, uh, a creature, um, something that has motives. I don't think any of them would be considered like beasts that are just mindless um, I think all of them have some sort of goal. Um, they're goal oriented in some way, shape, or form that the players and the dungeon master can 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 feed on mm-hmm. if they choose to. Now, don't get me wrong; their st- stat blocks are badass, and they'll whip some whip some ass pretty hardcore. But it's more for us. It was to be more than that because there's plenty of monster manuals that already do the here's 400 stat blocks for you to uh, turn into you know hit you know meat meat shields. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we didn't we didn't want that. Um, so while it's called memorable monsters, it's not monsters in the sense that they're mindless creatures. Even Tweedledee and Tweedledum, which is one of my favorites, which is a, a couple that is the offspring of a succubus and some other demon. And they're <laughs> the dumb as rocks. But they did you ever, if we were inspired? Did you ever watch Goonies? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah there yeah. was a very particular uh character in there that everyone feared because of the way he looked but uh-huh. he was the nicest um gentlest thing that's what Tweedledee and Tweedledum are but they have a love and a thrill for the fight so they like contest but they're not murderers they don't want to be bad um they're just actively out looking for a challenge um and that to me nice. made them interesting brute style monsters where sure they're not smart but they're kind of decent hearted um but they can also be pissed off really easy and smash some skulls so <laughs> you the players in the the dm gotta uh help create those you know interactions and decide how which way it's gonna go really cool that's fun so, well let me ask you this too then what what constitutes out of the ones that you've got currently in the codex of monsters that you've got which one is there one that stands out to you i know that you picked the one that was a, a goblin because it's probably the more approachable um, yep. which is actually interesting, by the way. It's he's a he's a handsome fellow for a goblin. He is. I'd like to add. He is not a not not a uh, not the the typical uh, gremlin looking creature at all. This this guy uh, he, he's got some charisma. He, he he definitely not his dump stat. Right. Uh, but what is it? What is it about a? Is there one of the other ones that you like that's kind of like? And why why did it stand out? Is there that uh, uh, that you really enjoy? Any any of the other ones that we've already made? Because right now we have about. 12 of the 50 that we're going for written. Uh, mm-hmm. So are you asking about one of those? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I actually, uh, I do have one that I, I really like and I'm going to be honest, I'm vain about it because it's based on me. The writer based it on me. And so I have a love for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's purely a, nice. uh, a selfish, uh, selfish reason why I like it. Um, but it is a, you actually mentioned you're having a Kickstarter with dragons, and this is God King Akafur, and he's very much the t- the typical, you know, wants to uh, rule his territory. The difference is, is he believes that under his control, everything will be perfect. And if everyone just listens to him and does as he says, it'll be a perfect society, very much inspired uh, uh, 
very much like Dr. Doom, right? Where mm. he's what he does, he'll do bad things for the greater good type of thing. And it's just this, um, the, and it's a dragon. So you get all the cool, uh, layer actions and regional effects that kind of come with that. But we're learning uh, a lot about you, Justin, as you describe oh, yeah. this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm ruthless, but I'm kind hearted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's how this listener sees me. Uh, so when I hired, when I hired this writer, he's like, I'm going to do one about you. I'm like, Let's see how that goes. And honestly, I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> um, and so it's a, it's an interesting way to to see a dragon be used because dragons are meant to be territorial. They're meant to be these knowledgeable ancient beasts um, who have minions to do all their work. Um, and everything is kind of... Um, Everything moves slow for them, so they're never in a rush. But when it comes down to it, they'll take whatever action they deem necessary to achieve their goal. In this case, he wants to unify the the, the world and get rid of all the bad. Unfortunately, it's not that easy, but he thinks it is. And I really fell in love with this character. And it's one of the more thorough ones. Um, probably because I poked and prodded and told him he should change a few things. <laughs> but uh, I really, I really enjoyed it, and I, I think it's the only dragon that we actually have in there. So, yeah, Agent it sounds dragon. like a sounds like a uh, a large scaly version of Doctor Horrible. Yes, <laughs> I need, I need, to, I need oh to rule gosh. the world. I need to rule the world. It's, uh, it's a terrible place, and I just need to rule it. Yeah, yes. and I can, I can make it better. I can make it better. Right. Just right. listen to me. But uh, and he did a really good job of utilizing them in different ways, and and that really is a thing because how are you going to utilize a, a a dragon as an information giver? He doesn't give a damn about you. <laughs> but it came through pretty well. So very cool. <laughs> well, uh, is there anything else that you want to draw our attention to? Um, I see uh, as of this recording of this podcast. Uh, you're at about 12000 of your $15,000 goal with 16 days left to go. Yes. Um, so uh, based on my experience, that means that you're going to fund and then some. Um, so we're excited about that. Uh, but is what, what part of this project would, other than the NPCs themselves, would you draw people's attention to or should we point out today? Oh, dude, the art is awesome. <laughs> the, the art is gorgeous. If you can ignore some of the posts with my crappy editing to cut around the images, because <laughs> I couldn't didn't pay somebody to do that, but you know that's my fault. But man, the art is so is looks beautiful, um, and it really it really knocks the the the. Um, it's really competitive, I guess you, you I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, some of the monster mechanics are very clever and unique. Um, that's one thing I, I, I pride myself on as a game designer my, is I like all my monsters to have at least one ability that makes them stand above the rest. Mm-hmm. And I think they, the team has done a really good job with that. Yeah, I was looking that's at cool. Tannis here, and he's got a great uh, ability called Take Your Money and Go. <laughs> Um, which is so bizarre. Uh, <laughs> it's it's such a great like flavor piece. I um I I I'd read it all to everybody here, but I feel like I wouldn't I would I would 
stumble over something, but it's it's just a cool thing. You should just just listen. Go go look at it on the. On the basically, uh, if I remember right, he's basically throwing a satchel of money at the at the at the enemy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> here's a, here's a bag of valuables as a weapon. Yes, or he's yeah, he's got a gem and he's just bludgeoning them with it. Absolutely, uh, it's such a great feel uh and then what i like and what we talked about a little bit was that at least with uh the ones that i see here um tannis has reactions and he's a cr2 creature and then zendar has legendary actions Mm -hmm. um a legendary action and to me he's cr7 um that's something that that we are finding as we as we progress in fifth edition understanding and and as we get further along uh in the age of of this uh, edition we're finding that um fights can get repetitive when Mm -hmm. the monster takes their action then you take yours and the monster takes Mm -hmm. their action and then you take yours and that extra little added complexity of giving the monster things that it can do on the player's turn or in response to the player really livens up combat makes people sit up and pay attention and it makes every round its own unique experience so um to me we don't see a lot of that on low cr things and seeing that in both of the examples you've shown as part of your kickstarter uh gets me really excited about what we might see coming through so. Yeah, and I agree 100% with that. One thing we learned early on, you know, the DMG gives you guides or the monster manual or one of them gives you the guides for the um, the like the damage ratios to keep everything in balance. But one thing people have to remember, your legendary action, your reactions don't have to inflict damage if you're worried about balance. Um, there are other features like this yeah. one that uh, that uh, Tannis has basically just allows him to duck and hide behind somebody and they take the attack instead of him. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> alter the the balance of the, the 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 challenge rating at all, so you don't have to worry about that stuff as much. Yeah. Um that also makes you get more a little more creative too when you're coming up with reactions and yes. legendaries. Um so Yeah, well it's all about that action economy. Yeah. You know? When you've got it's seven like what, five to seven actions versus one against the the boss. Mm-hmm. It just turns into a slugfest. It's just like, okay. Well, they, my my bad guy gets one turn to do something, and then that's pretty much it before everybody piles on, yeah. loads up a ton of damage, and then it's a pretty lackluster uh, milk toast fight at that yeah, point. Exactly. So having having something in between that doesn't just liven it up to me, it actually it provides the additional layer of challenge that they that the if, players if, deserve. You know. Yeah. If nothing else, I I like to give uh, some of my boss creatures at least. A legendary save. Yep. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, that was that was <laughs> if, fun. If I could give your listeners one tip in improving their monster encounters, if you have a monster that has no legendary actions or reactions or anything like that, but is intimidating and imposing, give it a legendary action to use frightful presence with an uh, acceptable level DC, because if they mm, can do that yeah. once around, it'll send at least one. Uh, player scattering in a random direction or stopping them from coming in and that alone will make it get feel less like a, a stand and you swing i swing sort of thing because you're forcing uh movement and an altering of the player's combat style um in the middle of every round um, which oh, yeah, really definitely. can make that such a more dynamic battle and it's just the frightful presence feature um oh, nice. once around love it cool well hey uh justin we 
probably taken up enough of your time here. Um, but, man, this has been a delight. You're going to have to come back uh, once or twice or three more times uh, <laughs> in the near future and just chat with us some more about all sorts of topics. Uh, I'm always down as long as I got the time for it. <laughs> and bef before, you, before you take off, I just want to say I do listen to your podcast. Really? It, yes. Uh, just, you know, so that those listeners out there know that, you know, we do listen to each other's stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and I gotta say, I was so stoked when you, when you did the episode about team deathmatch. Oh yes. I, <laughs> I love that whole concept. Um, I, I think it needs to be, there needs to be more of that kind of thing. Just, I, cause I'm not, I'm not a power gamer. I am not a min maxer by any stretch of the imagination, but this kind of competitive D and D is just so gonzo fun. Like a, like <laughs> a, like a game show that went off the rails, like the running man type thing. It just, <laughs> to me, it's absolutely hilarious. And, I, uh, and yeah, to, to hear you guys talk about it, it's like, yes, yes, this needs to be, this needs to be in my life. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. Shortly after that episode aired, they actually, the creators actually reached out to us, invited us on for a game. And you're right. It was the most uh, bananas uh, yes. game that I have ever been a part of. And it was so much fun. I mean, we basically duked it out in a meat grinder fighting for dominance to kick each other into the grinding blades. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is my favorite map. <laughs> so well i'm glad you enjoy the show i know we uh, yeah. a lot of work goes into it and i imagine a lot of work goes into your podcast as well because it's one of those things that when you're not behind the the screen and the computer doing the work you don't realize how involved it is same thing with kickstarters <laughs> holy crap oh my gosh oh my gosh yes everything takes more work than you than it should I think that's a statement. Yeah, that's fair. Would, uh, everything <laughs> takes more work than it should. Uh, well, hey, Justin, thanks again for coming on. Congratulations again for uh, uh, a Kickstarter that uh, looks awesome and that looks to be successful. Uh, we wish you all the best as you dive into the next stage of the uh, journey of making your own book. Um, uh, you definitely have supporters and backers within the ranks of uh, those of us on here, and we encourage our listeners yep, to yep, go yep. Uh, check it out as well. Um, Justin, again, uh, uh, you're welcome back anytime. And thanks to uh, my co-host, Troy, John, and Catherine for hanging out with me one more evening. And uh, until next week, we'll see you later. Have a good game, everybody. You guys stay safe. Justin. Game on. Hey, do you guys, do you guys get a, uh, uh, can, can, I add, can I add a closing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>